This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What is up, everybody? Alex and James here, bringing you another episode of the American Toffee Podcast during preseason. Everyone, round of applause for James. He got a promotion, and he's also getting an apartment in like the next couple of weeks. So it's a big time in James's life, right, James? Woo, yeah. It's uh, it's really been a really crazy month, honestly. Like, been working hard, had a lot of stuff going on. I had one of my old college roommates get married this weekend, so I was uh. We had the bachelor party on Friday, and then the wedding was Saturday, and it was, you know, I'm in Maine, so I'm not typically too used to the heat, but it was like a hundred degrees, and we were standing in like a field, and I was wearing like dress pants and a dress shirt and a tie, and I was just absolutely miserable. Also very hungover because of the bachelor party the night before, but yeah, so I got a, a semi promotion at work. Really excited about that, and I am moving uh, down to Portland, Maine, in a couple weeks, and uh, establishing a new residence in the biggest uh, quote-unquote city in Maine. So a lot of good stuff going on. It's been a good month. And on top of all that, we've got some, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on with Everton too. So it's been it's been great. Yeah, for sure. So before we, uh, before we get started, we have a couple of, of announcements to make. First off, we've talked about it before. It's been all over our Twitter and Facebook, but join our Discord group and our um, Fantasy Premier League League on the official Premier League app on the App Store, iPhone, whatever, Android. Discord's been a lot of fun. If you're not familiar with Discord, it's an app in which you know you can get on your phone or you can use desktop version, whatever else, and and you can kind of chat live um, live with anyone else that's in the group. And on top of that, like via text as well as even chatting, you know, with a microphone like we are during a match, for example. So it's been a lot of fun, and I think everyone in the Discord can vouch for the fact that it, it we're building a pretty cool community there. And then furthermore, uh, something else that we are really excited about is we have been working with the guy from Everton Designs on Twitter. A lot of people are familiar with him because he kind of went quote unquote viral for creating a lot of different mock-up kits, which were pretty awesome. And so hopefully y'all will be as excited as we are when we have something a little more concrete to show you. Furthermore, we've had some people with that short you know, blurb on Twitter in the last hour or so. Um, quite a few people have mentioned that they want merch. James and I have never really put any real thought into it. So if if you, for some reason, want American Toffee merch, uh, hit us up. I mean, shoot us a tweet and tell us what you think you might want in terms of, you know, scarf, shirt, blah, 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 blah. Um, and James and I will think on it. I mean, we're just here to give the people what what they want, you know, being associated with the People's Club. Right, James? Yeah, we're we're happy enough that you guys will just like listen to us talk. So the fact that anyone would actually be willing to like spend money on some some gear and rep rep ATP is pretty cool to even think about, honestly. And so yeah, just kind of rehashing everything you said. Definitely join the Discord. Definitely join our fantasy Premier League. I'm gonna call it a fantasy Premier League group because it definitely has a better ring to it than League League. I prefer kinda- League League. All right. Well, you, I'll let you stick to your guns on that one, Alex. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna diverge slightly there. Um, so yeah, join those things. It's been, we, I've been blown away by the response of it. It's been really cool, and I'm really excited for once the season actually gets going and we get some competition, some banter in the Discord. Um, and yeah, so and on top of that, like Alex said, merch. If you have any ideas, hat, t-shirt, whatever it may be, a mug. So that's something we we chatted about. We're hoping to have uh, the stuff that we're working on with Everton Designs out in the next couple days. And it isn't merch. I guess that's kind of a spoiler, but it's something else. So 
um, and we're really excited about what it's going to look like. And I think it's going to be really cool. So yeah, just hit us up. We're always open to, to hearing from listeners and we, and we love that stuff. So, so that I'll leave it at that. Alrighty, James. So first thing on the agenda actually came out today, created a lot of buzz on social media specifically. It was a people's project video and it was outlining kind of the history of Everton football club, um, specifically Everton football club in the community in Liverpool started talking about the dock workers and, and the dock over there, the Bramley Moore dock, and showed a little kid juggling with Tom Davies, I, I assume, uh, two local lads there. So what I'm wondering is, do you think that is a hint that we might see some sort of stadium designs or or mock-up pictures or something this week? Yeah, I think that I actually think they've kind of teased it. Um, I believe they mentioned that we would be getting some some preliminary designs in the next couple of weeks. So I think the timing of this video does signal that that is about to arrive, which I am thrilled for the video. You can call it a hype video. I mean, I got chills watching it. It was really kind of powerful just to see not just the vision that the club has for the football side of things and the soccer side of things or what have you, but also the vision for the rejuvenation of the area and of the city itself, which I think is what is the, I mean, even maybe a bigger sticking point because not everyone, of course, in Liverpool is an Everton fan, as we all know very well. But the the, at, the advantages of something like this, this giant uh, commercial project will have in that region, um, I think has a tremendous potential and should be just a, a really positive, have a really positive impact on the city as a whole. So I think everyone's been chomp, champing at the bit to get a look at the work that Dan Meese, Dan Meese has been putting in with his uh, with his architecture organization. And when those designs come out, we're certainly going to have our fair share of people moaning about it, complaining, saying, what the hell is this? This is terrible. This is trash. But I think he, he Dan gets the benefit of the doubt, considering his resume and the, the various stadiums that he's designed. And again, they're going to be preliminary. So I'm sure that they're subject to change. And you know, there's going to be more consultations going on. The club have been done a really good job of involving the fan base and the community in every step of the designing planning phase phases so far. And so I don't expect that to change very much as we go forward. Yeah, I think well said, you made a couple good points. And, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is the fact that I really hope it turns out as well as Spurs Stadium did, I think last year, which I absolutely hate saying that. But to move quickly past that, James, when you mentioned, you know, the infrastructure in Liverpool, the city itself, you know, it's cool to think that people always mention, you know, on social media, on Twitter, that sort of thing, on Reddit, that Everton is the club that people from Liverpool, the Scouse, actual Scouse follow and support, whereas you have a bunch of Londoners and, and, and Manchester, uh, Manchesterians, what would you call them? Close enough. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, point is, a lot of, a lot of, Manx, there you go. A lot of people from out of out of town that follow Liverpool. My my overarching point, and it's been a it's been a long road to get here, James. Apparently, uh, is that I think it's I think that the Everton fans in Liverpool deserve it because of all the stuff that they and we have had to put up with, kind of in the last X amount of years, and the unwavering support that you always hear about home and away. I think that it's it's just on top of everything else, on top of the commercial play that is being able to attract tourists to the city and, and and new fans to the stadium, the existing fans that go to the matches all the time deserve this new stadium on the docks, on the water. I wholeheartedly echo that sentiment. And I know that both you and I are planning on, I mean, it's a guarantee that we'll 
have to make it over to Goodison Park before the transition is made. But once the transition is made, I don't think it'll be too long before we're going to be uh, headed back over to see the new stadium. So I, I'm really excited for the prospect and just having that that the the new stadium in your in our arsenal. No, no, you know, joke intended, whatever. Having that at our disposal makes us that much more of an attractive proposition for signing new players. It's going to be, I think, an incredible atmosphere, an unbelievable facility, and we're going to outshine uh, Anfield. So it's going to be it's going to be really nice. It is. So lastly, before we start talking about preseason and transfer rumors and news, we had Yuri Mina and Dominic Calvert-Lewin return today for preseason. We saw a bunch of, you know, a bunch of nice pictures of Yerry Mina with that big smile of his, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. And I think last night, Dominic Calvert-Lewin kind of released like a hype video with Meek Mill rapping in the background, hey. him doing a bunch of, um, a bunch of different pieces of workouts and, and taking a couple shots and that sort of thing. Um, showing that he's been working hard, even though he has not been physically at Finch Farm for preseason. How integral do you think those two are going to have to be, will be, or have to be in the coming season, regardless of regardless of of the signings to come? Well, Yuri Mina is going to have an enormous role. I think he kind of played second fiddle to Kurt Zuma last season, and we'll discuss Kurt Zuma in a little bit. But it is looking like he may not make a return to to Everton um, this window. And so, with that said, Yuri Mina is right there to to step in. And though I think a lot of people have concerns about how he's going to fit next to Michael Keane, who is the presumable second starter, I do think that he has he is a tremendous talent. We said it last episode, he made the who scored, you know, Copa America uh first eleven. He's a tremendous talent. He's a big body, dominant in the air. The only concerns are with his mobility and his speed. I think he's gonna be if we aren't able to bring in another high caliber center back that's an immediate starter, I have no no real concerns about Yuri Mina filling in for that role. And then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I really like him as a player. I love the his work rate and everything he does besides actually scoring. And that's where I think most fans kind of have their gripes with him. And so for him to, he's going to work really hard. He's a very, you know, another very strong physical prospect. And so hopefully he can get, I think he's going to have a, an important, this is a very important year for his development because depending on how things go with the window, like you said, this could be like his real chance to prove himself before we have to really evaluate the future of Everton and, and find someone who can actually be that long-term solution if it's not Dominic Calvert. Where are you on both of them, Alex? Yeah, Yuri Mina doesn't have a choice but to step up literally and figuratively into, I think, a starting role at center back. It's going to be interesting because you know there was some little talk here and there on Twitter that People think Mason Holgate might be loaned out again or sold or blah, blah, blah. But center back is not looking like a deep position for Everton at the moment. Yerry Mina always performed pretty well when he came in. I think maybe there was only one match that he notably was was kind of poor. But the question mark is going to be, can he can he stay fit? I think it's, it's pretty safe to say we're going to have to sign a center back this window. I just don't know the quality, right? Like, are we going to go for a starting quality center back? Um, are we going to go for a kind of younger guy? with very high potential, just like Holgate and Gary Mina. I'm not sure. In terms of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I think he hit the nail on the head also. I really want him to succeed. He works very, very hard. We watched him, you know, every couple of weeks get better and better and better on the pitch. And so now it's just going to have to come to him converting chances. And that's, that's, 
that's it. Uh, I think my first thought when you were talking about Dominic Calvert-Lewin was he's kind of like the opposite of Nias, right? Like Nias doesn't offer a whole lot in, you know, build up play or, or hold up play, but somehow he just scores. And yet Dominic Calvert-Lewin can do everything right from, you know, the midway line to the six yard box, except for put the ball, you know, put the ball into the net, whether that's his fault or not. So I hope he has a very big year, regardless of of whether or not we sign a striker. Um, but I guess we'll have to find out. Only time will tell, man. And I, I, yeah, I'm optimistic for both of them. I really do think Dominic Calvert-Lewin could have a really breakthrough year this season because he really showed glimpses, you know, spurts and glimpses of of what he's capable of last year. And I think if he's able to put the pieces together and things sort of click with the chemistry within the team, it could be a really special year for him. Um, but but moving on to talking talking of actual gameplay, which is something that's kind of nice. The friendly on Friday versus Monaco was a one 0 victory for Everton. Seamus Coleman with the goal off of a Nias deflection, I believe, and not a whole lot to break down. It's still early enough in preseason where we're starting to just see players that really want to work on their fitness. There weren't too many standout performers, but Alex, there were a couple youth players who have actually led, I believe, Everton in preseason minutes thus far. Talk a little bit about, about both of them. Yeah, so Gibson, the center back, as well as Nathan Broadhead, the right winger, have both played every match so far in preseason. And as you said, I think they both lead or close to lead the uh, the club in minutes in preseason so far. I think that that's huge for them because it shows that they're getting chances, but I think it also, to be honest, shows that they're taking their chances because if I'm not mistaken, they both started the last two matches and played the majority of them, if not all of them. Um, and they're both positions that we are heavily linked with different players for, um, specifically right wing, right? Because we were playing Richarlison there and, and Theo Walcott wasn't performing. Lookman got a couple minutes there last season. So it's going to be interesting I'm wondering, James, do you think between the two, Gibson and Broadhead, um, do you think either one of them has a good possibility of being in the first team this season? No loaning out, not being dropped to the U23s, actually being in the first team squad. I don't really want to be a buzzkill here, but I just don't really see it. Save some catastrophic injuries happening. I think that they're both going to really strongly benefit from loans out where they're actually play, because even if they are to feature in the first team or you know, be in the first team squad on paper. I just don't see any way that like, I think Nathan Broadhead's 18, Lewis Gibson might be 19 or 20, that they're actually going to get any significant kind of actual first team minutes at all. Even with the cups and everything else to, to take into consideration. I just, I think though things are looking kind of thin at the moment, maybe in certain areas, especially wing, it's just unlikely that they're going to, and even if they were able to get minutes here or there, is that really what's best for their development? So I expect both of them to be loaned out, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the preseason minutes that they're in exposure with the first team that they're getting, you know, giving Marco Silva is getting a really good look at them, understanding what they're capable of. And I think that that's only going to benefit them in the long run. And in the long run, I think they're both tremendous prospects who have a, a very good chance of contributing to the first team picture as good as any other youth player, which we know and we've talked about is, is a big leap, but it's, I still think it's too big of a leap for them to go from the U23s to the first team. Okay. And so my next question on these two, do you think that, or can't, do you agree with me when I say that the fact that they've been getting so many minutes after being given a chance initially in preseason, do you think that kind of shows that 
Marco Silva is impressed with them and is highly considering maybe seeing, possibly seeing what they could contribute to the first team, but maybe putting them in the shop window for a, a very positive loan spell. Yeah, I think the shop window is actually spot on. I think that's exactly what he's doing. Um, He actually came out with some comments about the youth players who have been in the first team, I believe it was today or yesterday, and said that he's been pretty impressed with their work rate and they've been doing a really good job and contributing, just done everything he's asked of them so far. But at the same time, I think he does, he's pragmatic in the sense that he knows that it is just, it's a little too big of a step and they're going to get better in these weeks with preseason. And I hope I hope to you know that a League One or Championship side will be in for them because yeah they're both very young and they both need to play first team football at a at a really high standard in order to continue to improve and yeah like I said the shop window thing I think is spot on on your on your part I think that's probably exactly what's going on they're looking to find the right suitor that will that will help them make the next step in their careers and development right so let's move into transfer rumors and news James. Uh, not a ton of, honestly, not a ton of positive stuff here to talk about, but nonetheless, plenty to talk about. I'll let you kick things off, Kurt Zuma. Yeah, the Kurt Zuma saga continues. There were uh, false reports. I think we can now chalk that up as fake news, official fake news. Hashtag the transfer fake. rumors. The transfer rumors are just bonkers, honestly, because I don't think brands. I think brands runs a pretty tight ship and doesn't really let much get out, and so. There's just so much rampant speculation. And now that we're fully ingrained into the Everton Twitter sphere and we're on Reddit and we're on all these, you know, you're searching Google, there's just everything. So as of like yesterday morning, we were convinced, everyone was convinced that Kurt Zuma was ready to hand in a transfer request to Chelsea and try to force a move back to Everton, which to me is just would have been ludicrous. I was never really in on it, but it just kind of seemed to be, you know, it, it. one person tweets it and then someone reports it. And then before you know it, Every account is tweeting it, reporting it. But then today, the Daily Mirror had an interview with him, and there's some interesting quotes where he essentially says that his goal this season is to play enough so that he's able to get into the France squad for the Euros next summer. And he recognizes that in order to do that, he's going to have to play regularly. So he knows that Chelsea have a very good squad. He said that, this is a quote, he spoke with Frank Lampard, and he said, we had a chat, and he was very good with me. He's a very good manager. And this is probably, you know, the meat and potatoes of the whole thing. He said, I enjoyed my time at Everton, but I'm a Chelsea player and we'll see what will happen in the future. I think I will be here at Chelsea. This is a chance for me. I went out on loan last season, but I'm a Chelsea player and I want to do well to get my chance and be here. Alex, what are you, if you're reading between the lines there, what are you taking away from that statement from Kurt Zuma? I mean, he said all the things that any soccer player for the most part is going to say across the world talking about I'm a Chelsea player, right? Uh, he went ahead and said he enjoyed his time at Everton, which we knew, and he was never going to say, oh, it was all right, um, because that just doesn't make any sense and he has nothing to gain from it. The interesting thing, and and to read between the lines here, here's what I have to say. And I don't like it, but it's still a thought I have to, you know, I just, I have spicy takes, and, and unfortunately, this is one of them. So he talks about wanting to play at the Euros, right? And we know that uh, he missed out on the France squad for the World Cup, because he was not really playing a whole lot, or he was playing for Stoke at least, I think, right? Stoke during yeah. that time. Yep. So in my opinion, he probably knows that if he comes back to Everton this season, if he transfers permanently, he will get all the playing time he could hope for, right? Uh, so him saying that his target is to play, Euro, to play at the Euros and he needs to play a bunch in order to get called up for that squad, that to me says that he'd rather take the chance and make the Chelsea squad I mean, to be fair, he's been working on that. He wants that. 
Um, but he thinks if he's playing semi-regularly or regularly at Chelsea, he has a much better chance of making the Euro squad, even you know compared to playing all the time at Everton. Did that make sense? Yeah, well, Chelsea's obviously has a higher reputation and in our, I don't want to say a bigger club, but in the grand scheme of things, they have more money. They can do a lot more in as far as making ridiculous. I mean, they just they do have their transfer ban to take into consideration. So they have to think about that. Um, but he's been at Chelsea for a long time. He's been at Chelsea since, I believe, 2014. And he's really struggled. And he's I assume it's been his dream for a lot of years, many years to finally find his way to the first team. And I think looking now and actually they just recently, I believe a couple of days ago or more recently loaned out their highly rated uh, center back Ethan Ampadu to RB Leipzig for the year. And so that gives them not a whole lot of coverage at center back. And I think he's just looking at it pragmatically and saying, I agree with you. I If I can play regularly for Chelsea, I have a better chance than if I do at Everton. And even, you know, we're acting like he'll walk right into Everton's team because he pretty much played all of last season and he did compliment Michael Keane so well. But we do have Mason Holgate and Yeri Mina, who I think can do a really good job of pushing him for playing time. So maybe he's just kind of torn where he doesn't really know what the best situation for him is going to be. And he's just trying to make, you know, he's he's right now he's at Chelsea. There's no real word. He's not going to push for a move because that doesn't really make sense to to stir up any kind of drama or anything like that. I think that he's just trying to be pragmatic and accepting it. And and if there is a deal that can be reached between the two clubs, I think he would love to come back to Everton. But right now, that's just not the situation. And he's, like you said, doing what any pro player would do and being a professional about it and keeping it kind of close to the best. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think anyone can say they were super surprised. Yes, we all have had our hopes up. But at the same time, the transfer ban alone, whether he wanted to or not, could have pretty much told you that odds are he was going to have to stay at Chelsea. So for that fact alone, I can't say that I'm super, super hurt about it, but it's kind of discouraging because, you know, everyone likes Kurt Zuma around these parts. Yeah, we we loved him last season. He was absolutely brilliant. And we actually, you know, it it is interesting because we've also had a lot of success with kind of the one-year loan and then sign strategy. And this is kind of one player who may not uh, he may kind of slip through the cracks here and get the one that got away, so to speak, which, yeah, like you said, not overly disappointing, assuming that we actually have a decent other targets uh, in mind, which I assume Brands does. But right now it is it is kind of bleak because at the end of the season, you would have said that signing Andre Gomez and getting Kurt Zuma back would have been probably priorities one and two. And it looks like we're only going to get 50% of that done. And that's OK, because I'm still holding out hope that the rest of the window is going to be uh, earth shattering. Hopefully you are, too, James. Yeah, I, I really do. And it's it's been really quiet as far as incomings go. But we do have a, quite a bit more to talk about as far as outgoings, which really isn't all that bad, except, you know, we know that we had a lot of deadweight that we needed to move out, except the players that were now being linked with moves away from the club are players that I think most fans probably wanted to keep. And with that said, that leads us to our next topic, which is the Adam Lookman saga, which just seems to be uh potentially coming to a close at long last. It's been now, what, three years in the making where it's been drama, 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 but there's been some pretty concrete links that are saying he's going to deal with Leipzig. They've been after him. They've been on our heels. They've been coming for him. And they're saying that we've essentially agreed in principle to a deal somewhere between, there's been multiple reports, 18 and 22 million with a couple add-ons. And it seems like he's out the door we talked about it a lot last time, but it does just kind of seem like at this time, the best move for both parties. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I was talking to 
somebody on or in the group, Discord group chat earlier, actually, I think this morning, specifically about Lookman. And, you know, my point is, I understand people, people have a very black and white thought process when it comes to business dealings in soccer. Um, it's not as simple as just saying, we don't want to sell Lookman, uh, we're going to keep them. And then going over and looking at Adamol and saying, we're not going to let you go to Leipzig for a second year in a row. We want you here, even though you're only, you know, performing halfway in training and, and have somewhat of an attitude problem, according to Marco Silva. It's, it's not that simple. And so when you look at the fee we're talking about, um, we're talking about the player that has not scored five goals in a blue shirt and obviously doesn't want to be here. Then, I mean, I don't think you can complain at all. He, he wants the move because if you tell, if you, if you ask me right now, Alex, do you think Marcel Brands and or Marco Silva are just trying to push him out the door? The answer is going to be no. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't think anyone, I think everyone kind of recognizes what a talent he has the potential to be, but it just, it's clear that he wants out. And if we can get a good fee for him, the biggest thing, I mean, I think we would have let him go last summer had Leipzig actually come to the table and played ball the way we wanted them to. But they were just trying to lowball us constantly, trying to use the media as kind of a means to lower the asking price and, and over maybe inflate the public and the public opinion, you know, the understanding of how badly he wanted to leave. Now, I just, I just assume be done with it. Take the 22 million and reinvest it back in the squad and a player who actually wants to be here. Above all else, I think players that want to be at the club that they're currently at is very important, especially in fostering the kind of team culture that we want. And um, so, yeah, it is sad because he did show so many good glimpses in substitute appearances, but he's just going to be another one that kind of just got away. And he's probably going to tear it up in the Bundesliga next year. And we're going to all be very depressed about it, but that's just, that's just football, right? that's just the way things go. That is. Now I have a question to ask you, James, this has been on my mind for a good while. I think we've talked about it in bits and pieces, but I haven't really figured out how a way to put it or ask it until I think today. And this is still dealing, you know, kind of in regards to Adam Lookman. Everyone talks about how much potential Adam Lookman has, right? You know, this is just this this sucks because it, it's a it's a pretty nominal fee for someone that Everton fans think is just going to be so great, a world beater, right? And my question to you is: Do you think general football fans put too much emphasis on a player with pace and dribbling ability when it comes to you know linking that to thinking how much talent or potential that player has? Well, I think when you're talking about attacking players, those are two components that make them extremely dangerous as a player. And a player like Adam Lookman, who we've seen him tear a team like Manchester City, make them look foolish and create multiple chances in just a few minutes. And so I think not so much just like his raw pace and ability, which or dribbling ability rather, which I think, you know, probably people who play too much FIFA probably overrate those two things. And I'm guilty of playing a lot of FIFA. And you just want to load your team with guys with like 99 acceleration and five-star skill moves. But yeah, I mean, that's not all there is to it. There's work rate. There's defensive contribution. There's positioning. There's IQ. There's passing. There's a lot of the other, obviously, there's many different skills that make a player very good. So I think, yeah, probably we do overrate Adam Lookman in the sense that his contributions to the team were never really going to make your jaw drop. And he was never even able to get in the team over Theo Walcott. 
And so really, how much does he have to show for his years at Everton? It just feels like, I think, ultimately, I think we saw very, very few glimpses. And it just feels like there was so much more that he had to offer that we're never, ever going to see. And I think that's kind of what is disappointing more than anything else. Yeah, I think that's fair. I just, I find it interesting because, you know, someone like Adam Lookman is just so, it seems, highly rated by the fan base um, only really only like the Everton fan base. I'm, I'm sure probably Leipzig, Leipzig fans like him a whole lot because he contributed a, a good amount on the stat sheet in his like 12 appearances. But I just, I really feel like any player with pace and dribbling ability of any sort is, is so highly rated and highly touted as being the next big thing. When in reality, because it's exciting to watch, right? Because it's exciting to watch. And as you said, yeah, those are two sure. extremely important components However, it's it's really a lot of the intangibles that that allow players to take the next step, and that is you know performing regularly at a Premier League level. Um, so I think that that's kind of a point I wanted to make and, and run by you because I feel like when you kind of put that in perspective and think about Adam Lookman in those terms, yes, we're losing a player, and and it's possible that he could be a very very good player, and I and I hope he is in the future. I don't think that this transfer fee rumored is anything to scoff at by any means. And I think that getting a player that doesn't want to be here out is always a good thing. Totally agreed. And, and just one last word on Adam Lookman. I think there's going to be a lot of fans who say that he, and I, I agree to some extent that he didn't really do much, but I think anyone who ever really watched his, his play over the years could really see what he was capable of. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it, like you said, it's just going to be 22 million would be more than double what we paid for him. And you can't really write that off as bad business, um, regardless of how successful he is at the next club, because for what he did for us, I think doubling your profits, pretty dang good business. Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, let's move on from Lookman to, uh, perhaps even sadder story. This is really kind of just a depressing, uh, slate of, of rumors here, but we've got Adrissa Gay, who we kind of all hoped those rumors to PSG would die down. And yet out of kind of nowhere, they're back with tremendous fervor. And supposedly, according to some really high tier sources in France, he is off to PSG within the next few days for 27 million plus 20. I think it's 27 to 30 is what they're saying. Um, Alex, Adrissa Gay leaving our side. How do you feel about that? So I thought it was out of nowhere as well, like the rumors kind of resurfacing. But when I thought about it and, and I thought about the timeline, the timeline made sense because they started resurfacing as as Senegal kind of made it to the final of AFCON because they just played and, and unfortunately lost the final this weekend. And so that makes sense that rumors started brewing at the end of the tournament, but you know, before he officially is on break and kind of start thinking about his future or let me put it this way, uh, making moves on his future. In terms of how I feel about it, I think I said it winter break, maybe the winter window, but uh, I think that Ghana deserves it. As many people have said, he has done nothing but work his socks off for for many years at Everton. We got him at a a steal of like 7 million pounds when uh, Aston Villa went down a good while ago. I think that he is one of the best players for Everton in actually a good while. Um, it's just kind of hard to highlight someone like a defensive midfielder because they're not always very flashy and, and that sort of thing. But here's what I will say. He deserves it. He's about 30 years old. And technically, in Marco Silva's preferred 4-3-3 system, he likes to have two kind of pivotal 
central midfielders playing further up the pitch, for example, Sigurdsson and Gomez, and he likes one deep-lying defensive midfielder, um, kind of like a, a stopper, I think, is what a lot of American coaches call it, or call the role itself. And in Marco Silva's very first press conference as, an, as Everton manager, he talked he named Morgan Schneiderlin specifically as the type of defensive midfielder he that could play a very huge role. Now, we ended up playing a 4-2-3-1 most of the seat, well, pretty much all the season because Ghana is not that player. He is not a Gareth Barry that is going to sit in ping balls from wide and just cover defensively. He prefers to play as a destroyer. He just wants to run around, cover every bit, every blade of grass possible, get the ball back and transition it out to someone like Sigurdsson or Gomez. So from a positive point of view, I think that he gets what he wants. And I think Everton can sign a very, very good defensive midfielder in the mold of Gareth Barry, ideally with, uh, with a little more pace on him nowadays, and implement the style, the full style that Marco Silva prefers to play. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point in that he doesn't really fit the profile of the type of style that, that Marco Silva wants to play. And to essentially almost quadruple our, our initial investment in a player who has been a tremendous servant to the club in his time, been a consummate professional. Um, he said in the winter break when the links were were really flying um, hot and heavy at the time, he said, you know, I would like to go to PSG, but at the same time, I have to, you know, respect Everton. I play for them now. Um, they gave me, you know, the platform to do what I'm doing now that allowed me to get to the point where I'm being linked with a club like PSG. Um, and like you said, he does deserve it at this juncture in his career, in his prime to go play for what would be an exorbitant amount of money, I, I imagine. Um, and it does suck to see him leave. But if we do, and all of these, you know, not getting Kurt Zuma back stinks. Lookman leaving stinks. Ghana leaving, I think, at face value stinks. But it only stinks if we don't have adequate replacements lined up. Like if all those players leave and we have no one to replace them, then we're looking at a very thin squad. But you have to think one of the biggest jobs that Marcel Brands had was getting dead weight out. And so we kind of all hoped that we would see like, you know, your Mohamed Besic's and your Kevin Morales's and your Yannick Belasi's leave. And that's what would allow us to have the funds to kind of reinvest in the squad. And now it's looking like, unfortunately, we're going to have to sell some of our actual really good players in order to get the funds, which can then be reinvested in the squad, which as long as we're turning profits on players, I assume that Marcel Brands' extensive scouting network is going to turn up some really quality replacements and that we'll have nothing to worry about. It's just a little scary kind of staring over the edge of the cliff, not knowing what the future holds and knowing we could be going in with, you know, three real capable center backs and Morgan Schneiderlin as our starting defensive midfielder, like those types of things kind of make your give you goosebumps and make you a little not be able to sleep at night. Um, but with all that said, I, I trust brands 110% at this point. He's yet to put a foot wrong. And so if we think that this is smart and this is the pragmatic thing to do, then I say just pull the trigger and let's get on with it. That's it. And while we're on the topic of midfielders, specifically defensive midfielders, Sky Sports has prestigious they are when it comes to uh, transfer news and rumors, have said a couple days ago that Crystal Palace made a bid about 8 million pounds for James McCarthy. Crystal Palace, I believe, is our first match this season to kick us off in a couple weeks on the 10th. If that goes through, that could be an interesting match, specifically, obviously, if James McCarthy plays. Um, do you feel that, do you think that we're going to feel, you know, any negative effects, side effects of, of McCarthy leaving? 
No, because he was he was a non-factor last season. So while there were times rumored when he was coming back from injury that he may get be able to you know, fight his way back into the first team picture. He was never really able to do it. And so I think any amount of money that we can get for a player who's been more or less injured for the last two years and has yet to really show that he's really fully recovered from it. Um, I, we, we, you know, from watching him when he was actually on the field for Everton, I know the type of quality player that he is and the type of energy he can bring. Um, and he is, he would be, I think, a really good signing for Crystal Palace, honestly, for depth. And eight million would be nothing to scoff at, considering you know how little he's played. Um, there are some pretty ludicrous rumors that I'm not buying at all that we are supposedly in for Wilfred Zaha, and that we could potentially use James McCarthy as a bargaining chip to lower their reported seventy to eighty million dollar or million pound asking price. But overall, it would it would be kind of just another end of an era type thing where we're just getting players from James McCarthy was signed by Roberto Martinez. So we need to kind of just keep moving these players out and looking forward and looking, you know, let Marco Silva get the players that he wants in and not have him have to deal with this kind of hodgepodge of, of the mess that the previous managers have made. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's insane that we look back a couple years ago and James McCarthy was always going to be one of the first names on the team sheet. He was always so good when he played, he was essentially Ghana before Ghana came, right? And all of a sudden, he just could not get fit. We've had all, we used to have all those bust ups with uh, the Republic of Ireland. He would go to Ireland. He would he would go with, on international break and feel like he had to play because they were you know they were asking him to, and yet he wasn't fully recovered for Everton. So he'd come back every after every break injured. It's just been it's been a long road, and and it sucks because I always liked him. He was one of my favorite players um, back in the day, day, but at at Essentially, at face value, we're talking about the same amount of money that we signed Fabian Delph for, who's about the same age, but is coming from Manchester City with multiple trophies, um, a leader amongst men, and I think more quality than James McCarthy has has or had. So when you're looking at these figures and you're looking at these, you know, quote unquote, straight swaps, if you want to call them that, in terms of just players in and out, I think it's fair, and, and I think that it would be. A positive thing and he also deserves the, the opportunity to be able to go play regularly at a club again and get his career back on track definitely agree with you on that and i and if he does leave wish him all the best with palace except for the two fixtures of course when we play them um so we only have a couple things left to cover this one's kind of been ongoing it's moise keen from juventus we've been linked with both him and some really really unreliable links that say we're in for mario Mandzukic as well uh, Mauricio Sarri, of course, now the head coach at Juventus, has said that, or I don't know if he's actually said, rumors have said, I would just, we're not ITKs. I don't want to say like we actually know anything for sure, but they've said that he's looking to uh, to sign, to get rid of Moisekin because they've had real difficulties offloading Iguain and Mandzukic respectively. Um, and so supposedly we're willing to pay up to $35 million for him. But Juventus don't want to sell him without a buyback clause. So I saw that they're willing to let him come to us for 30, but they want a buyback of 40. Those types of negotiations, I don't know, Alex, what do you make? If we were to get him for 30 with a 40, to 40 million uh, buyback clause, what would be your opinion of that type of thing? I think that'd be extremely stupid. I want him here. I think I actually people might think I'm ignorant for this, and I'm not saying it would pay off. But I I actually like the idea of of another young, exciting striker to compete with Dominic Calvert-Lewin because it allows for us to essentially always be investing in someone with a very high ceiling or, or, or 
someone that we think has a very high ceiling, if that makes sense. So I love the links to Moise Keane. I think he would add a lot of personality to the to the squad itself. And I think it'd be very positive for Dominic Calvert-Lewin as well. However, that type of deal is absolutely stupid. And I say that because you are asking Everton to essentially shoulder all the risk, bear all the risk of this transfer. If Moise Keane comes here for 30 million pounds, 35 million pounds, and cannot perform, cannot adapt to how cold it is in England, playing you know, on the pitch, as Richarlison said, feeling like his, his legs, his knees are burning, um, then we're just out of luck. However, if he turns to a world, world beater, then they can just pay you know, a, a net loss of 10 million pounds or 5 million pounds to Everton to get him back. And by the way, we trained him for them, right? So if you're talking about a buyback clause, it's going to have to be, in my opinion, double, uh, specifically with, with how high people think his ceiling is and could be. And furthermore, again, with, with the amount that we're talking about paying, it's just, it's too much risk to be able to include a buyback clause, specifically at that sum of money. No, I, th- I think you're totally spot on with that. We can't be left. If we're going to invest in players, you know, to the sum of 35 million, there has to be some sort of expectation that we're going to have the opportunity to make significant amounts of money. And so if they're trying, Juve trying to skim off the top and put this really low buyback clause in, I'm not having it. I don't think Marcel Brands is having it. And I think he'll he'll happily walk away if they're not able to meet the terms that we, we find acceptable. And 35 million with a $70 million or you know, whatever currency pound buyback clause. That that's something that we're talking now we're talking business, but to try to do like a minor markup, like you said, just is way too risky. And I just can see us getting very easily burned by him not being able to adapt to England. And then we're left holding the bag. So I'm not okay with it, but I would like to see him in an Everton shirt. Like you said, another young, really promising striker. Um, they could, he could be really, really good for us. And, and it could be another Richarlison type figure where we stand to make a lot of money off of developing him for a couple of years. He delivers for us, performs for us well. And then we can again, sell and reinvest, which is something that I think is the overall vision for the club moving forward until we're able to be one of the big boys, some whoever, how, however many years it takes where we don't really have to sell at this time, any, anyone, but when you, when we're talking business, you just, at some point, it just becomes too good of an offer. So a little bit of a tangent there, but that is, uh, that wraps things up for our, our concrete, uh, super reliable and dependable transfer links. And now we move on to the actual facts of everything. There's a couple, uh, youth players who have made moves, Alex, why don't you touch on that? Yeah, so Basala Sambo, who he was kind of a striker, winger for the Everton U23s the last two or three years. I was actually very excited about him coming through the ranks. Obviously, he won the PL2 with them the last two years in a row. He was offered a contract extension, I'm I'm assuming, just like the rest of, you know, or a lot of the other U23 players, you know, they were going to offer him a, a one-year contract extension and then look to loan him out to a championship club to see if he can make the move. But Unfortunately, he announced today that he has rejected his extension, and so I suppose that's the end for him. No real harm or foul because he was getting up there in age too. I think he was 21, 22. Um, Otherwise, Josh Bowler, who a lot of people seem to be very excited about from the U23 setup, officially went on loan to Hull City. So that would be, I think that will be a um, a very exciting loan move for us to look out for this season and, and see how he's performing along with, you know, his buddy Kieran Dowell over at Derby County. 
Yeah, Josh Bowler. I don't have much to say on Sambu. I mean, he's gone. I, I don't really think he was ever going to make the cut. So all the best to him. Best wishes. I know, Alex, you really, at one point, really wanted to get him as a guest on the show, Random. Um, shoot you, your shot, James. <laughs> you got to shoot. You're right. You shoot or shoot. Um, but Josh Bowler seems to be a player who is really highly thought of as far as the youth setup goes. And kind of a late bloomer as well, a player who's kind of come into his own the last couple of years. And so actually going to Marco Silva's former club hall for uh, some development will do him a world of good. And hopefully he comes back uh, ready to start to push for perhaps a first team place. Yeah. So to wrap things up, James, we can uh, just tease everybody a little bit. We have a couple of really, really exciting guests or guests that we're excited about. I think everyone else is going to be excited about them as well coming on in the near future. So look out for that. Specifically, we're hoping to have a pretty good name for the very first post-match of the season on August 10th. So look out for that. Again, sign up for our Discord and our FPL group, our Fantasy Premier League group, Ooh, James. I'll, you yeah, adapt, I'll you adapted it. Okay. If you need that info, the code and that sort of thing, the links, they're on our Twitter and Facebook. So go check that out. And otherwise, hit us up if you have any ideas or preferences for merch and look out for our announcement with Everton Designs on Twitter in the next coming days, hopefully. And until next time, guys, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.